Jesus name we just speak the blessing of healing over him we call it to manifest in his body and for all sickness all infirmity to be gone and for all the damage to be undone in his body we just call him healed restored blessed and whole filled with the peace and love and joy thank you Lord for our friend Robert old man thank you Lord we just call him healed right now in Jesus name no more pain no more infirmity have him to stand to his feet right now and just say, Lord, you've done something wonderful in me. I I know it. Yes. Amen. Amen. Help Amen. him hold on to it, Lord. In yes. Jesus' name. Amen. Brother. Good to see you, man. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's a sweet, sweet spirit in this place. And I know it's the Spirit of the Lord. There are sweet expressions on each face. And I know they feel the presence of the Lord. Sweet Holy Spirit, sweet heavenly dove, stay right here with us, filling us with your love, and for all these blessings we lift our hearts in praise without a doubt we'll know that we have been revived when we shall leave this place Ecclesiastes 1 verse 9 says there's nothing new under the sun. Nothing new. I mean, I look at that nice car over there, Miss Jeannie's. Uh, there's some new things we have, uh, new technology. There's new stuff, inventions and all that. But what he's talking about is amongst men, the emotions and the happenings and the ways and the actions and Divisions and schisms and problems amongst men. Nothing new under the sun. So God's not moved by the troubles we see. God's not standing white knuckled on the banisters of heaven saying, oh no. Now what am I going to do? We have victory, folks. We are victorious people in Christ. The victory is not something we're trying to obtain. It may seem like it, but it's already won. That's why we study the breakdown of the human person, spirit, soul, and body. 
Everything is accomplished in the spiritual realm and the spiritual new identity that you have within you. And we have to draw upon that and renew this mind from the stinking thinking of the world and uh, get into agreement with God and with that born-again spirit, which has the mind of Christ. And in case any of you are thinking you may suffer loss for that if you if you just surrender to it, well, uh, have you got anything against love? <laughs> because God is love. Yeah. Amen. And love never fails. So can we just say God never fails? Amen. Yeah. There's a, what they call a minor prophet in the Old Testament named Habakkuk. And uh, in the first few verses, I just want to tell you some of the things that Habakkuk was crying out to God about. Starting in the second verse, he said, Oh Lord, how, how long shall, see if this sounds familiar to any of us, how long shall I cry for help? And you will not hear. <laughs> Anyone ever think God just has left you? Ichabod? That's what that means. God has departed. Habakkuk. Habakkuk. I mentioned Ecclesiastes 1 9, nothing new under the sun. This is Habakkuk. How long shall I cry for help and you're not here? Or cry to you, violence? And you will not save. Why do you make me see iniquity? And why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. How many of you ever felt that way? You just turn on the news. Huh? You see women and children abused. You see terrible atrocities taking place all around the world. And they just love to... Reminds me of that old Eagles song, man. <laughs> Give me dirty laundry. <laughs> the bubblehead bleach blonde. <laughs> Tell you about the plane crash with a gleam in her eyes, right? Nothing against blondes. Don Henley said that, not me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, this is an Old Testament. <laughs> this, this is an Old Testament prophet crying out for the same things that we see. And listen, I know people that are saved, full of, full of, full of God, and people that are not for this reason, because they tell me, and I mean, these are people that I talk to almost daily. Young men just like that establish these places, these veterans of foreign wars. One in particular, he's he's in his mid thirties, and you know, he was a sniper in the recon division of the Marine Corps, did several tours, and he says, Preach, dude, just pray for my family, my wife and kids, man, it's too late for me. I've seen and done things and I know that I he he won't help me. 
And I really just don't believe. I've, I've seen too much of this to believe. That's why you need to be here last week. The message was called, Did God Do That? And for all the bad, all the ugly, the answer is no. We caused it, to be honest with you. It's not a condemning message. I'm talking about fallen man and the seed that was passed along to every one of us. You are already dead in your sins and trespasses before you ever committed a sin. It doesn't have anything to do with you. But now you're not. Amen. Amen. Because of Jesus. So the law, he said in verse 4, so the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. Does that sound familiar to today? The Bible says when the, when the righteous rule, the people rejoice. Who are the righteous? Yeah, because we're... Because we're better than everybody? Because we act better than everybody? Because we have the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. When God looks at us, He sees Jesus. Apart from our works, apart from anything that we could do, that's why we don't ever want to stand before God and say, well, you know, I was better than all the Christians that lived around me, and so I deserve... No. Rejected. Here's the best answer. I'm here because of Jesus shed his blood for me and I received him as my Lord and Savior. Now move out of the way, Peter. <laughs> Peter ain't guarding that gate, by the way. That's just an old that's just the foundation of a lot of jokes. Some of them are pretty good. I forgot to tell you a joke today. Still want to hear it? Yeah. No, I can't do that one. No. Yeah, no. Okay, hey, so, okay, so Pastor Dan was, uh, the congregation was, uh, and his wife were starting to get concerned about his vision. They started to get worried that he wasn't seeing things so clearly, and, and uh, one day he had to, you know, leave for church way before her because we know Pastor can't be late. And uh, so his wife calls him on the way while he's driving to church one day. And she says, hey, Dan, I just saw on the news where on 290, there's a car going the wrong direction. So please be careful. And he said, dang, honey, it's not one. It's hundreds. <laughs> When the righteous are in power, the people rejoice. When the wicked are in control, they mourn. The enemy has always been the same. He's not a creative being. He uses us to do that. He has the same tactics. Doubt. Get you to doubt God's goodness and God's word. 
gets you discouraged, cause you to delay, cause you to get into despair and feel defeated. There's just five D's for you. <laughs> you can work from those and, and pretty much discern if it's him or not. He's also the accuser of the brethren. <laughs> But Romans 8.37 says that in Christ we are more than conquerors. And in 2 Corinthians 2.14 it says, Thanks be to God, the Father, that in Christ Jesus we are always led in triumph. We always have the victory. Jesus has already won the war. Amen. Amen. The devil just doesn't want you to know that. He doesn't want you to know and understand the victory that you have and the new person, the new being that you are. He doesn't want you to know that you have a new heavenly home and that you are an ambassador here in this sick and dying world. He doesn't want you to know the bright, brilliant light of God that shines from within you so that you won't let it out. And if it can keep you feeling defeated and depressed and doubtful and discouraged, then you'll sit right in the midst of all your family of brothers and sisters in Christ and you'll feel like, Man, if they only knew I'm the only hypocrite here. It didn't work for me. He still hadn't accepted me. I, I don't feel any of that. Well, just like Miss Barbara was talking about the Holy Spirit earlier, she had the experience of that wind rushing through when we talked about the new church. That's how Jesus described the Holy Spirit. He said, you, nobody can see Him. But, you can, it's just like the, the, the wind. You can't see the wind. What you see is the effects of it. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. You just need to know that you are victorious in Christ. If you don't know it and you don't believe it, keep doing what you're here on this earth to do, seeking God with your whole heart until He reveals it to you because He will. He's faithful to do it. He says, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with your whole heart. And let me just tell you, until you, most of you know this, some of you or us vacillate back and forth in our knowing and believing. And even the strongest of you will sometimes be found on your own and on your knees crying out to God just fighting that spiritual warfare feeling abandoned and alone and shunned and defeated and 
But if you're smart, if you're wise, you'll always recall the facts of the Word of God regarding you that you are victorious in Christ, that you'd have the victory, that the defeated devil is lying to you and trying to get you to agree with him. Don't speak it. Don't, don't speak death. Don't speak defeat. Don't speak any of the negative things that he wants you to say because you are a creative being. And he's looking for a legal inroad. Look, Lord, your child just agreed with me. He said he's sick. John chapter 1, verses 14 through 17. The Gospel of John. This is where we get the name of this church. John says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Talking about Jesus, capital W there. And we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, this is John the Baptist, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. How many of you know John was a few months older than Jesus? Whatever could he mean? Jesus is God. He's always been. For from His fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, grace begins and ends with Jesus. And that's the grace of God is the power and provision of God is that's provided through the atonement, through the victory that Jesus has provided. And the way that we obtain it and position ourselves to receive it is through faith. Yes. By grace, through faith. You know, 17 of the 26 books in the New Testament begin with grace and peace. They go together. Grace and peace can be multiplied also, Peter said, in our lives through, through the knowledge of Jesus Christ and of our Father in heaven. So we want to always be growing in that. But I just want to tell you that grace... Minus the truth equals this universalism that's accepting of everything. Which leads to lasciviousness and sin and idolatry, which is death. Truth minus grace equals the law which is the power of sin, which equals death. Huh? Yeah. Truth plus grace equals Jesus. Yeah. 
and produces life and peace. The way that you approach truth determines if it produces life or death in you and in your life. The truth is always the truth. It's how you handle it. How you regard it. And the truth that's found in this word, the truth of God, without the grace of God, will destroy you. You can't separate the grace of God and the truth of God because together they equal Jesus. Amen. I want to tell you a little bit, just pour a little wisdom into us today. Just give us a, a little helping of wisdom or grace to live by. And you understand when I talk about grace, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about the power of God, the provision of God, the Everything that Jesus provided through the atonement, all the divine exchanges that took place. There was a king in the Old Testament called Hezekiah. And you can read about him in 2 Kings and in 2 Chronicles. I want to look at one scripture in 2 Kings 18.5 first. Because... The, uh, the, uh, his name, Hezekiah, by the way, means God strengthens. So that's a, that's a, that's a good name to have, or God is my strength. Second Kings chapter 18, verse 5, it starts talking about King Hezekiah ruling and reigning. It said, he trusted in the Lord... The God of Israel. That's a good place to start right there. He trusted in the Lord. See, there was a lot of bad kings. He started out with Saul. See, the people had a God. <laughs> the God. But they wanted to be like all the other folks and they wanted a king. He thought they were foolish for doing that. But he gave them what they wanted. So they got Saul, who ended up falling. And then they got David, who was awesome. And then they had a whole bunch of string of bad ones. And if you read about them, they all, uh, this one did this and this, but he was not pleasing to the Lord. He did not do what was good in the sight of the Lord. He did not do well. So they just turned further and further away from God. But then you get to this guy, Hezekiah, and he was a good one. It says, in 18.5, he trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, so that there was none like him among those who were before him or after him. He, For he held fast to the Lord. That's the reason that he had success. He did not depart from following him. There's just a there's a picture of success and the reason for it. And even though it's Old Testament, that formula hasn't changed. <laughs> Trust in God and don't stop following after God until you see Him face to face. 
And you get that, well done, good and faithful servant. And not just, well, I guess you're done. <laughs> Go over to Second Chronicles, where I just want to read a little bit about King Hezekiah and something that went down just a few pages past Second Kings, First Chronicles, and then Second Chronicles, and the 29th chapter. I'm in First Chronicles. I thought I was just going to be standing up here today, so I just got a list of scriptures here, and I got to look them up. Usually try to type them out for y'all. All right, Second Chronicles chapter 29, verse 2. It said that he did, this is talking about when he began to reign. He was just 25 years old, and then he reigned for, for 29 years. The second verse says, And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, according to all that David his father had done. This guy, this guy was pretty awesome. He, he took, and they had made a shambles of the temple. They had made other altars and high places they referred to all through the Old Testament where they worship other gods and burn sacrifices and they sacrificed their children, kind of like today, and did all kind of bad things according to God. And they just got further and further. And I mean, even the, the temple was in totally disrepair. I mean, it was just bad. And basically, this guy comes in and he sets to work. And first thing he did was fix the doors. And there's a, there's a whole message in that. But he fixed, repaired the doors to the temple, and then he had all the priests and Levites, he had them go in there and basically just take out the trash. They clean it all up and got everything um, set apart unto God again. He brought back in the, they got the band back together, Joey. He brought in the stringed instruments and the trumpets all back in there. And they started started praising God and worshiping God. You can go over to chapter 32. And, uh, and so he got everything in order according to God. And then in chapter 2 of 2 Chronicles says, After these things and these acts of faithfulness, Sennacherib, this guy, this king from Assyria, I think that, that's how I'm going to call his name. Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came and invaded Judah and encamped against the fortified cities, thinking to win them for himself. So this was a king of Assyria who had a big, mighty army. He was taking some cities. He was, he was, uh, he was just conquering some lands, and uh, he didn't think that... Uh, that this one was going to be very hard. He saw it as an opportunity to just go and, 
and take this. He wasn't far away. He was taking another city nearby, and he, he thought he'd just come on from Lachish and come on over there and take, take Judah as well. So the, he encamped against the fortified cities, thinking to win them for himself. And when Hezekiah saw them, saw that uh, Sennacherib had come and intended to fight against Jerusalem, he planned with his officers and his mighty men to stop the water of the springs that were outside the city, and they helped him. A great many people were gathered, and they stopped all the springs and the brook that flowed through the land, saying, Why should the king of Assyria come and find much water? He set to work resolutely. I love that. Anytime I see that word, resolve, great resolve, and anything regarding, regarding God, when people have set their mind, to do the things of God and to worship God and to serve God. There's always wonderful things that follow. You see this in the, in the scriptures. I always talk about when it, when it gets close to, to Easter time. And I start talking about how Jesus re resolved to go to Jerusalem. He set his mind. In other words, he knew there was great trials and struggles and tribulation ahead. But he set his sights on accomplishing what God had called him to do. And he determined in his mind that nothing was going to stop him. So this king, having set everything in order to worship God and the, 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 the temple of God, then he goes about doing what he knows to do to defend what he's been put in, uh, in charge of or the care of. And, uh, and uh, let me just skip down a little bit. In verse 7 it says, Be strong and, and, and courageous. Do not be afraid or dismayed before the king of Assyria and all the horde that is with him. For there are more with us than with him. Who's that remind you of? <laughs> the prophet, when he stepped out of the tent that morning, was surrounded by a big army. And he said, told the young man, Don't worry, there's more for us than against us. And he asked the Lord to open the young man's eyes, and he did. And he saw the army of God around this army that had come in the natural, and it was, but it was a lot bigger. It was army, the armies of God, chariots of fire, and angels, huh? Praise be to God. Be strong and courageous. With him is an arm of flesh, talking about this enemy king. So his, his strength is in his flesh, in his army that, that, that we've seen and heard of. But with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people took confidence from the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. So he encouraged the people, which is always what we want to be doing with one another in the body of Christ. Hmm. Wow. Wow. Huh. So, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you later. <laughs> Praise God. Mm. So, this king, he comes and he and camps around about there, and in the ninth verse, it talks about this, this king, and he comes, and what he does is he begins to trash talk, and he begins to try to intimidate God's people and Judah, and he starts to run down the king and starts to try to get into the head of, 
the people of Judah and the, those who are under King um, Hezekiah. And, and he says, uh, thus says uh, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, Oh, what are you trusting? That you endure the siege in Jerusalem? Is not Hezekiah misleading you? Doesn't this sound like the devil in the, in the Garden of Eden? Always trying to get you to doubt and get you discouraged and despair, you see? That he may give you over to die by famine and by thirst. In other words, we're going to siege this city. We're going to encircle you. We're going to choke you out. We're going to cause... And they start getting them to think about all these things. Oh my gosh, we're going to starve. They're going to kill us. They're going to... We don't have anything to drink. You know, when he tells you that the Lord our God will deliver us from the hand of the king of Assyria... Has not this same Hezekiah taken away his high places and his altars? And in other words, he's mocking him for taking away these other altars to false gods. High places and his altars and commanded Judah and Jerusalem before one altar you shall worship. So he's not calling this a good thing. He's calling them to worship only the one true and living God. He's, he's mocking that, right? And on it you shall burn your sacrifices. Do you not know that I and my fathers have done to all the peoples of other lands? We're the, we're the gods of the nations. Uh, we're the gods of the nations of those lands at all able to deliver. And it's little g. Gods, plural, and little g. Those gods, because they had false gods too. And he says, were they able to help them? In other words, we destroyed all these other folks. Don't let him convince you that this one God that y'all have when he's done away with all the others foolishly is going to help you from save you from us because we're, 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 we're the bad we're the bad boys right who among all the gods of those nations that my father's devoted to destruction was able to deliver his people from my hand that your God should be able to deliver you from my hand now therefore do not let Hezekiah deceive you or mislead you in this fashion and do not believe him for no God of any nation or kingdom has been able to deliver his people from my hand. Boy, this is a lot of pride going forth, huh? And from the hand of my fathers, how much less will your God deliver you out of my hand? And his servant said still more against the Lord God and against his servant Hezekiah. And he wrote letters to cast contempt on the Lord of the God of Israel and to speak against him, saying, Like the gods of the nations of the lands who have not delivered their people from my hand, so the God of Hezekiah will not deliver his people from my hand. And they shouted it with a loud voice in the language of Judah to the people of Jerusalem. So they spoke a different language, but they came and they spoke to them in Hebrew to even be more terrifying and more uh, disruptive and, and, and try to get in their heads even more, you see? And the people of Jerusalem who were on the wall to frighten and terrify them, you see? In order that they might take the city. And they spoke of the God of Jerusalem as they spoke of the gods of the peoples of the earth, which are the work of men's hands. Then Hezekiah... The king and Isaiah the prophet. Isaiah was the prophet during this time. During his reign, I think Micah also came and, and, and uh, was prophet for a little while. But Isaiah was the most was the influential one during this time. And he was giving him encouraging words. You can read that more in 2 Kings, uh, the version of this. But I'm not having time today. 
But Isaiah was very influential in keeping Hezekiah encouraged because that's how he had to speak to the Lord then. Now you have him one-on-one, folks. So, let me just say this. So Hezekiah, starting in the 20th verse, the king and Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, prayed because of this and cried to heaven. They didn't respond to this other king. He didn't talk back. He didn't smack talk him and defend himself. He didn't have to defend his God. It might have looked like he was weak and feckless and not doing anything or saying anything. But I'm going to tell you, nothing could be further from the truth because what he and Isaiah did was pray. They didn't say anything. And they didn't have the people say anything in response. And look what happened. Verse 21, And the Lord sent an angel, one angel, who cut off all the mighty warriors and commanders and officers in the camp of the king of Assyria. So he returned with shame of face to his own land And when he came into the house of his God, some of his own sons, two of his own sons, as it turns out, struck him down there with the sword. So his army was defeated. He went home in shame. He's in there worshiping his false God and two of his own boys killed him with the sword. So much for the big talk. I never was much on big talkers. As it turns out, I ended up having to talk a lot. <laughs> but my prayer is that it's not me, but him using me. If it's me, I don't want to be I don't want it. Can I just tell you that in Second Kings Again, this is two, two uh, accounts of this, this story that go together. Kind of like you have to do with the Gospels, right? But in the account in 2 Kings chapter 19, verse 35, it says that that one angel that God sent <coughs> killed 185,000 of those men, those enemies that night. And then they woke up. When the morning came, they just found all of them dead there. See, God is wise, folks. And God is, He has a plan. (laughs) There's nothing new under the sun, nothing takes God by surprise. When you're in a battle, because even though the devil is defeated, he's not dead. And he's still in charge of this world for a while. So he's going to try. He's going to continue to probe. He's going to try your defenses. He's going to use all these same tactics and techniques to get you discouraged. To get you to doubt God's goodness and His word. 
to get you in despair. Keep quiet. Keep quiet. When you're believing God, when you're standing in faith, keep quiet until God speaks. He may speak through someone else. He may speak through you. But you have an unction, a knowing. You have the Holy Ghost. You have the mind of Christ. And in your born again spirit, you know all things. You might say, man, again, that just proves I didn't get it. Because I don't know anything. And the more I think I know, the less I figure out I do know. Listen. I'm not talking about your soulish realm. That's up to you. You have to renew that thing through the washing of the water of the Word of God with the help of the Holy Spirit to come into agreement with the Spirit and the Word, which are one and the same. And then this thing will just follow suit. Amen. Remember in Jericho? In um, Joshua chapter 6, don't let me, I'm not going to go over there. But Joshua chapter 6, when, the, when they started coming out of the, the desert for 40 years because of their unbelief and complaining against God, instead of just going straight through like they should have, they had to wander out there for 40 years until that whole generation died off. But then they finally got to get their breakthrough. Moses didn't get to go in because of he failed to honor God when he hit that rock twice, which was really just type and shadow of crucifying the Lord Jesus all over again. The first time he told him to hit the rock and water came forth. The second time he said, speak to it. That's a picture of Christ and the church. Lord, only has to die once for you. Now you just speak. You just invite him in and he comes. Amen. And Moses was the type of the law. Moses was the representative of the law. He did it well. He's with God. God loves him very much. But listen. I was just doing this a while ago. You see that? See that fella? Somewhat. You can tell some things about me from that shadow. I don't like turning sideways too much. But you can but I mean that's an example. You can tell some things by that shadow, can't you? I mean not a lot, but I mean I'm looking at Dan and he's like he's been around. I know guys like him because the only kind I ever used to trust. But listen, I can tell a lot about what's coming around that corner by that shadow. But listen, when I when I come around the corner, you don't need that shadow anymore. If you're still trying to say, get out of the way so I can see what you look like. Get back in so I can see the shadow. That, that's just weird, man. You don't need that shadow anymore. That's what, that's what the old covenant was, you see. It was all type and shadow of, of what we really have now. 
We have a relationship with the true and living God. Everything in this Old Testament was just a picture, a type of what was to come of Jesus. We have a better covenant with better promises. And better is just better, folks. But when they went into the... They finally got to go head toward the... They, the promised land, Moses didn't get to go, so Joshua took over. Again, type and shadow of Jesus. Yeshua, Joshua, Jesus. Because Why? Because the law is never going to get you into the promised land, folks. Your own self-righteousness, your own goodness, your own works, your own deeds. The only way you're going to get into the cross that proverbial Jordan River is by an old wooden cross bridge, huh? <laughs> That's why Joshua, Jesus, had to lead them in. But listen, there were some cities that they had to conquer along the way. The first city was Jericho. Remember? And God said, tell them, tell the people, shh, Don't say anything. Why? He, he knew them, for starters. They grumbled and complained. And listen, we can get into a spiritual tug-of-war with God and try to sabotage everything He wants to do in our lives. We'll speak faith one minute and then but. And then everything we say after the but is what we really believe. Oh, by Jesus' stripes I'm healed, but I feel like... Okay, well, there you go. So anyway, he said, don't say, tell them, don't say a word. But march around the city one time, quietly, six days in a row. Right? And then on the seventh day, you're going to march around it seven times, and you're going to be... The priests are going to be playing seven, seven trumpets, right? You're going to march around it seven times. And when you hear the, the ram's horn blow and the trumpet blast, the people are going to shout. And the walls are going to come tumbling down. And they did. And... He said, don't touch anything. Don't all the silver and gold and all the all the loot. It goes to God. All of it. Some people did take some of it, and it caused them to lose the next fight in the next city. They found out who it was, they put them to death, and they started winning again. But listen, all the cities after that. They didn't have to give it to God. It's a picture of the tithe, folks. More specifically, and I'll teach on it to help you because I love you, is the, the law of first fruits. It was a new endeavor with God. This was the first fruits of that new endeavor, it was set apart unto God. Anyway, 
talking about our words and our warfare today. Isaiah 42, verse 2, was an Old Testament scripture, and then they recounted it in Matthew 12, verse 19, talking about Jesus. He said, He shall not cry out or strive or raise his voice in the streets. You notice Jesus never, he never defended himself. He never attacked people's individual sins either. He was after the root. Ah, amen. If you see one of those beautiful oaks out there is not doing so well, and I go and I get my water bottle and go start polishing the leaves and all that, and I start trying to fix that tree. Is that pretty dumb? <laughs> you need to get to the root of the problem, right? <laughs> Just threw that one in for free. <laughs> but James chapter 1, verse 19, James is talking to us now, Jesus' brother. He says, everyone should be, what, quick to hear or to listen but slow to speak and slow to anger. Two ears, one mouth, you figure it out. <laughs> Proverbs 18.21 says, Life and death are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Again, talking spiritual laws, right? which is the law of sowing and reaping. It's not just a, a farming term. It has to do with everything regarding the kingdom of God. Otherwise, Jesus wouldn't have said, if you don't understand this parable, you won't understand anything I teach. It's what some false religions would call karma. But, same principle. It's a spiritual principle that Jesus said is going to be here as long as this is here. The law of sowing and reaping. What you have isn't enough to make meet your need. Make part of it your seed. <laughs> Don't eat your seed. <laughs> Proverbs 29.20 says there is more hope for a fool. Now this is this is one that just hits you right between the eyes. Because the Bible has a lot to say about fools and none of it is good at all. But there's more hope for a fool than one who speaks in haste. It's not trying to condemn you folks. Because it's all of us. So if you're thinking about that person you wish could be here today because they really need to hear this. <laughs> let me get my mirror. Proverbs 26.12 says the same thing about 
those who are wise in their own eyes. We need God, folks. We need God. You know, there's a psalm, verse 91, and I'm just about done here. I don't know how long I've gone, but it seems awfully short. <laughs> Good thing you were an hour late. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> I love the ones that come get here late because it, it takes it, it. You have to be more brave to come late than than not not just turn around and go home. You know what I mean? And that and usually the ones that press on to get here, there's some reason they're late and. And they usually end up saying, man, it's like it's like going to the gym, if I can remember what that's like. But I remember it used to be very hard to go, but I was never sad that I went. You know what I mean? Church, same way. <laughs> I used to pass that uh, Planet Fitness and I had the little keychain on the pass on my on my on my keychain, you know, it said Planet Fitness. I'd drive by there and I'd say, it's isn't working, man. <laughs> Psalm 91, you should, you should know this, you should know this uh, psalm, if, um, because uh, for your own good, for your own comfort, for your own uh, empowerment, speak it over yourself, change it and insert yourself in there. But remember how I told you that that one angel in the old covenant, killed 185,000 of the Assyrian enemies of God. It says here in uh, Psalm 91, verse uh, 11, I got every one of these underlined, but that one I have in brackets. For he, speaking of God, will command his angels concerning you. Talking about those that belong to him. Amen? He will concern his angels, uh, plural, concerning you, to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up. Listen, you have angels assigned to you. Of course, the enemy has assigned some to you too. They're not good angels, they're bad ones. I can I like to see it. I like because I, I I try to practice that childlike faith, so you know, if I could I'd uh, when y'all left I'd get my old green army men and set them up out here. I see some good places to have the or the Indian the Cowboys, boy, it'd be fun out here, but I can't let y'all see me do that. I don't do it at home either, but in my mind I would still like to be I'd stack still like to be Hey Joey. Hey, Dan, Sam, yeah, let's go ride our bikes, man. Just try to jump that fence. See if we can make a ramp out of that thing, you know. Just afraid we wouldn't come out of it so well like we used to. We used to all just lay down and let my brother jump over us, you know. We didn't have enough trash cans. and Sometimes he didn't quite make it. <laughs> but... 
I see the good the good angels and the bad angels. There are angels here, you know. Mighty, powerful beings. They you don't speak, you don't command them. They're, God's word does. But when you speak God's word in faith, it empowers them. You see? God's already in that. He's not up there in heaven going, uh, yeah, yeah, that was pretty good. Go ahead. Same with your prayers, you know. I used to know preachers. Real flamboyant. He'd, he'd, he was an evangelist and he'd go to these cities to minister and he'd advertise real big and, and he would get a plane. He'd charter a plane and fly over the city and rebuke all the, the devils and, and all that stuff. And then they'd talk about praying all in, in unity and getting a prayer through, you know. Listen, folks, all that's this, this, this uh, wrong understanding. I'm not, nothing against them. I still, I still love these guys, you know. But that's not right. The reason I come against these wrong teachings is because it hurts you. You don't have to get a prayer past your nose. The kingdom of God is taking up residence inside of you. Amen. All things pertaining to this life and godliness have already been granted to, to you. The way that you have them manifest, because see, what, when you, you think of the soulish realm, the natural realm, when I say that, and you're like, well, if that were true, or I hope so, well, see, that's not how we may get it to manifest by, by that kind of hope, because that's not hope. Because Christian hope is a confident expectation of good from God. What are you expecting? What promises? What word are you standing on? What situation? What crisis? What beautiful thing are you believing God for? And what does the word say about it? What are you saying, God, you said this? And I believe it. And then you're waiting. See, patience is not doing nothing. Patience is just prolonged faith. Standing. Standing on the promises of God. I got off a little bit, but... I read that one already. I just want to let you know that, and see that that one angel that killed 185,000 in one night. That's just that's probably all the soldiers that the enemy had out there. <laughs> I don't mean he was limited to that, but if you have plural angels watching over you, then um, I think it would give you a little more confidence. If we really knew what our ambassadorship meant, and we really believe that this isn't our home anymore, that we really do have a residence in heaven that's waiting for us, we're not trying to earn our way there, it's already done deal. And that we've been left here to not only to continue to, to finish the renewal of our minds, to, to work on the, the soulish realm, which will be completed, by the way, when we do get there. You're not going to be perfected in your soul, but you should be willing to be perfected along the way. huh? In other words, there needs to be growth, right? God expects fruit. Righteous yeah. fruit. 
Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those things should be more evident in your life. Yeah, that's just a, you know, you don't want stunted growth. But it's not what earns your relationship with God. It's a byproduct of it. You already have it. The extent that grace is manifest in your life, because there's grace for everything. There's grace for healing. There's grace for prosperity, for financial blessings. There's grace for your relationships, for re restoration of, 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 of marriages. For, and there's grace to forgive, which is a big one, huh? And you have, it takes great faith. It's the only time the disciples asked Jesus to increase. increase like, how many times do we got to forgive this dude? Seven times? Peter was bragging. Nope. 777. Lord, increase our faith. <laughs> so yeah, there's grace for that. There's grace for the way we treat our spouses. Huh? There's grace. There's just grace for everything that we need. Everything that you need for this life and godliness has already been provided by grace. We obtain it by faith. You you find it. You talk to the Lord about it. You believe it. You claim it. Which just means this is mine. And now if it doesn't manifest by the time you stop praying. I used to say by the time you get up off your knees. But I don't always pray on my knees. I'll be honest with you folks. That's not a requirement to get into heaven. <laughs> But just because it doesn't manifest instantaneously, you have to keep believing. Jesus said, if you believe, believe that you have what you pray for, according to the will of God, of course. It has to line up with the Word of God. When you pray, believe that you have it, and you shall have it. You see, that's the kingdom of opposites that we talk about. So and that's why I had to tell you, a few weeks ago, I, I look forward to all the miraculous things that will happen in our midst, and and sometimes they do, and, and you know, like instantaneous, woo! I feel better, jump up to my feet, and all that. I've seen that, I've seen it, and then you go to Karish, any of you get to go up to Woodland Park, you, there's a good chance you might see somebody raised from the dead. You know, I mean, people get up out of their wheelchair, stuff like that. You may see it here, of course, and we're believing for that, but just because you don't doesn't mean you didn't get it or it didn't happen. You need to know that you received when you believed and it will come. It's manifesting. I can show you through Scripture that there's even time in the spiritual realm. It, not necessarily the type, the, in the same way that we deal with, but just read the book of Daniel and see that when Daniel prayed once, the angel showed up and and by the time he finished his prayer, and it which took about six minutes, I think, and he said, from the moment you, you prayed, you know, the answer was given. And I came, you know. So, I mean, you say, well, that's just a few minutes. I can do six minutes, no problem. The next time it was ten days or something. Can't remember exactly. Maybe two weeks. Ten days, two weeks from the time he prayed. And he continued in prayer and believing 
And then the angel came, and this time he said that he had run into trouble in the heavenlies. He had a fight. He had to throw down, and he, he, it was bad because he had to call for the archangel, uh, Michael or Gabriel? Michael, who came and fought against these opposing demonic and angelic beings, right? But again, he told him, from the moment you prayed, God answered your prayer. You see what I'm saying? Doesn't that show that there, there's things maybe we don't understand that are taking place? I've heard people tell talk. It's not in the Word, but I mean, based on that, I can believe it, but I've heard, because there are a lot of giftings in the body of Christ. There are a lot of people that have been to heaven and back, that have had glimpses into heaven and hell, and you can believe those or don't. I'm not going to preach it because... As fact, I'll just tell you, I, I heard it or I believed it or I know somebody, but, but that, doesn't, that, that, that doesn't mean I'm preaching you the Scriptures because this, this stands above everything, okay? So you can take it for what it's worth, but there are people who have said that they have been there and, and whether it was just God showing them in sort of a typology or whatever, but they, he said that they saw angels returning from heading toward the earth and they were bringing back, for example, uh, an arm or a leg or something. And he's like, why are they coming back? And he says, well, you know, in, in other words, it was somebody who was believing, who prayed and believed. And then before it didn't manifest immediately, they didn't, they didn't get it their way at Burger King. And they said, well, I guess God isn't going to heal me. And the angel turned around and went home with the manifestation that they were waiting for. Now, I don't know if that, you know, is a, I mean, I don't really necessarily believe there's rooms full of body parts up there that they have to go get this and take this, fill this order, you know. But I think God was just showing them in a way they could understand that that's what happens. You see what I'm saying? That, that's just my belief. That's not scripture, folks. That's willyology. But, but I think it's a good point. Now, all that to say, listen, watch our words. Believe that they're powerful. But also know that there's a God on, on, the, on, the, on the throne who loves you. And He's wanting to fight your battles for you. It doesn't mean that we don't do anything. Please don't think that. It just means most, the, the script, I guess too many scriptures for me. To, but there's one that says that where there's an abundance of words, there is sin. <laughs> and I, that just sums it up, man. When you just, just talk too much and too fast, it just sometimes we just need to go pray and listen and wait for God. Hey, brother. And, and if we would, it would be helpful. Let God fight, especially when it's a spiritual battle. I mean, which is always a spiritual battle. I mean, even in our encounters, our day-to-day -day relationships, somebody was telling me about they had a little problem with, said something they shouldn't have, took full responsibility, told me this morning, which is a good person does that. Full responsibility for getting... Their spouse mad at them this week. And 
in my mind, I didn't want to correct them because I love the person and the, they're my elder. But it takes two to tango. The, the Bible says without strife, without pride, there is no strife, right? So what does that mean? It means, yeah, you might have said and done something wrong. They didn't have to. They didn't have to get into that fight with you. They didn't have to get mad at you. That doesn't produce the righteousness of God. God love them any less? No. But I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm trying to get to the place in my life where our friend Andrew is. And his his take is, hey man, you can't you can't make me hate you. <laughs> Doesn't mean I'm gonna let you run over me. Doesn't mean I'm gonna let you just do anything you want and I'm just gonna be helpless and hopeless. No, 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 no. There's a difference between meekness and weakness. Jesus was meek. Do you think he was weak? Do you think it takes a lot of strength to get up on that cross and let them nail you up there after they beat beat you all night long and mocked you and spit you when you're the one that created them and you know you you have seen and created all of the heavenly hosts that could do the, the powerful things we talked about, those angelic beings, knowing you could call 10,000 angels at any moment and just say, Dad, I'm, I'm, I'm not heck with these people. Let's start over. He sure could have. Instead, he blessed, he, he forgave those who were killing him from the cross. Until we've reached that standard, we, we, not, we haven't gone out of our way yet. Amen. Amen. Oh, me. I, me I, I'm with you. Preaching to me first. But there's grace for that. There's a place where you can get so far beyond what you think you can endure. Let's just use that forgiveness for an example. No one expect me to take this. I could pick up the phone right now and get 15 sympathizers. You don't have to put up with that. But if I choose to, if I choose to endure it, especially when it's for Christ's sake, if I'm suffering persecution because I'm trying to do the God thing, and I'm suffering rejection or persecution, or it looks like I'm losing, I'm suffering loss because I'm standing with God and His principles and His ways. And if I go beyond where I think I could possibly ever go, and I don't stop and just tell them, you know what, you can just... Or pick up that phone for that sympathizer, and I go beyond. Go beyond where the devil has seen me go before. Uh, just hold on, he's fixing the break right here. See, he knows you. Go beyond. There is a supernatural... Undergirding. The Holy Spirit will come in. Those angelic hosts will come in and strengthen and undergird you 
and provide and minister to you. And there is a place of perfect peace. You see, when we walk in the grace of God, we're free from sin. Because we're not under the law, but under grace. And grace is the power and provision of God to be and to do all that He's asked us to do. If He hadn't given us the provision to do it, He would be unjust to ask us to do it. So when I fall short tomorrow or on the highway, when all them other people are going the wrong direction, you're telling them off. Okay, so now he doesn't love me because preacher said, well, I had the ability to, to love and to bless them instead of cursing them, and I didn't, so now I guess I failed. No, he hadn't changed his mind about you. He is love, folks. He knew everything. Listen, here's a ruler suspended in time, right? All 12 inches and however it was a centimeter, all that. I don't know the metric stuff. Suspended in all this vastness of the universe. This is the entirety of the history of mankind from beginning to end. We're over here. <laughs> right near the end. But it's already all played out in God's mind, you see. He hadn't interfered either. He's not sovereign in the sense that he is pulling every string. That's a terrible teaching on the sovereignty of God. It keeps people helpless and hopeless. That's why we teach against it. You have a free will. Have you ever exercised that free will and resisted the grace of God? <laughs> Just me. Okay, well, good. Y'all are, are awesome. <laughs> the reason I ask, there are entire religions way, have way larger buildings than us so far that teach that you can't resist His grace if you're one of the chosen. And if you're not, there's nothing you can do to get hold of it. These are big religions that go by Christianity, folks. And they're not. Because they don't, either they don't call Jesus God. Anything that stops short of His deity is dead. And it keeps you dead, and that's why the enemy is in those things, and they don't even know it. They're deceived. That's why we love them. We pray for them. That's why you need to be endued with power from within. That, that raising from the dead power that lives within you, the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you and gives life to your mortal bodies. You need to reckon yourselves dead. The easiest way to live the life, and this isn't a... Man, it's starting to sound like a, a bunch of do's and don'ts. It's not. I'm trying to tell you how, if you want to, you can. Yes. You have that power and ability. Don't let the devil talk you out of it. And don't let the world get you in agreement with them. Well, I don't know what you're talking about. It's kind of weird. But you know so-and-so had that and this and that and that and that. And you need to do this and that. And here's, you take this medicine and here, call this doctor right now. That's, hey, praise God, no bad way to get healed. But can we just start here? Can you start in your prayer closet? Just 
You know? God is for you. People say, I don't have no raising from the dead power within me. And I say, well, I've been doing this for many, many years. And I've done a lot of funerals. Not once have I laid my hands on that casket and told them to get up. I ain't scared to admit it. I'm a little scared. <laughs> so how do you know you can't? Start by doing what he said, which is those who believe on me shall lay their hands on the sick and they shall recover. Did he say they're going to jump up out of their wheelchair and, and, and join a marathon immediately every single time? No. He said they shall recover. So let's just pray. Hey, man. You know what? You mind if I pray for you today? And it doesn't have to be, oh, heavenly Father, thou art one. If you start praying in them, over them in the King James English, they're going to think you're weird, and you are a little bit. Is that how you talk? Just pray in your own words, their words. Hey, what's bothering you? Use their own words. Call it like they call it. Everything that has a name shall bow to the name of Jesus. Because you just pray and say, command that thing to leave in the name of Jesus. Command that body to be healed and whole in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. There's the power to the prayer. Whatever the prayer is, Getting ready to that dunamis power that they call it. That that's where we get dynamite. It comes from. That's what's inside of you. That raising from the dead power. I'm fixing to get ready to set it off now. Are we about done praying? Okay. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Listen, folks. I. I don't mind making a fool of myself a little bit to try to get you to understand the simplicity of the gospel. Who you are and what you have in Christ. It's real. But Jesus called, said, unless you all become like these little children. Does that mean we all need to start being rebellious and, and uh, misbehave again? No, please. Don't go backwards. Don't rebuild what God has torn down. But, you know, little children are completely, they might act up a little bit and be silly, but they're totally dependent on their, their parents. They trust, you know. My daddy can whoop the world, you know. Some of them say that. Some of us never, never had one to brag on. But we still get it, you know. No pity party here. I do not identify as a victim. I will not. I refuse to. Not after what Jesus has done for me and given to me and does through me and wants to do and has provided. My name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life right, a, right above y'all's. <laughs> And you need to say the same thing. Your picture's in his wallet. 
He really does love you, folks. Amen. His ways are not our ways. He doesn't. He doesn't look at you like you do yourself, and all your failings and misgivings and mistakes. Maybe it is. I'll be fine with that. I'd rather be a door. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in God's house than occupy any mansion in hell. <laughs> Heavenly Father, thank you for this day, and thank you for having fun with us and sharing us with us your truth and your grace. Thank you, Lord, that we put them together in proper measure because grace and truth together equals Jesus, which equals eternal life and peace. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have accomplished all of this on our behalf. You don't love us because we're lovable. You love us because you are love, and we have accepted and received your Son, Jesus Christ, as our Lord and Savior. Thank you, Lord, for helping us in every way that we might help others with that same help and comfort that we have received from you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.